I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. This is the vision that St. John the Divine, St. John of Patmos, shares with the seven churches entrusted to him. He is writing to them because he was exiled during a time of persecution under the Roman Emperor Domitian. From his island exile, John writes to those churches, not with words of anger or revenge, but with words of comfort, reminding them that they are members of a heavenly city, a city that is eternal and thus already here, the city of the new Jerusalem, which is merely obscured for now by the suffering and pain that they were experiencing due to the earthly city of Rome, codenamed Babylon in this revelation. Many of us think of the book of Revelation as a frightening prediction of apocalypse, but St. John's purpose was to offer comfort and encouragement to persecuted Christians by revealing the blessed future to the faithful, even at the cost of their own lives, and by assuring them that there would be divine punishment for their persecutors. St. John assures his readers that God has already triumphed, even though it doesn't exactly look that way yet. This revelation to St. John is a book of comfort for those in distress, for those of us who cry out in our lives, weighed down by grief and suffering. It is a book of comfort for anyone living under an oppressive government, anyone suffering not for what they've done, but because of who they are. It's a comfort, and it is a promise. We are members not only of this world, but of a heavenly city, and God has, God will join us in that new Jerusalem, that heavenly city where mourning and pain will be no more. It can be hard to feel that citizenship. It can be hard to see that heavenly city, just as it can be hard to believe that the kingdom of heaven has come near, though Jesus promises that over and over again in the Gospels. Though all of this can be hard to hold on to in dark times, we are part of the communion of saints, the living and the dead, who are meant to hold on to this dream and to live our lives in accordance with it. For during this time of persecution, that's what John and the seven churches held on to. During this dark time, St. John could have made a call to arms. Instead, he preached a vision of universal humanity, a vision of hope, a new heaven and a new earth, a marriage of things heavenly and earthly, a holy city in the middle of which is a garden with the tree of life right at the center, a tree that is endlessly fruitful and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations.
This vision inspires the faithful, and we are meant to live our lives longing towards that vision, living into that vision. But what does that look like? Well, here's one way it looks. Many of you remember Lech Walesa, the leader of the Solidarity Movement in Communist Poland. Over and over, he defied the government unifying workers to seek justice in the pro-democracy movement. Finally, the government responded with a harsh crackdown on December 11th, 1981, imposing martial law, closing borders, blocking access to major cities, imposing curfews, cutting telephone lines, jailing the pro-democracy leaders. In the face of that crackdown, Lech Walesa cried out against the communist authorities, right at this moment, you have lost. The last nails are driven into your coffin. You have lost right at this moment. His Catholic faith told him that he was already a citizen of another heavenly city that gave him courage to stand up to oppression in the earthly city of Warsaw. Here's another way it looks to yearn towards the heavenly city. Another faithful Christian who already believed himself a citizen of the new Jerusalem rather than beholden to Johannesburg or Cape Town, South Africa, is Archbishop Desmond Tutu. I've told this story before, but it bears repeating, for in the darkest days of the struggle against the apartheid regime in South Africa, Desmond Tutu was preaching in St. George's Cathedral in Cape Town. The inside of the church was lined with armed soldiers. They were menacing the crowd within, waiting for a chance to shut that service down. And in the face of that threatening show of military force, Archbishop Tutu didn't just condemn the apartheid government, though he did that, but like Lech Walesa, he engaged the soldiers. He pointed his finger at them and he said, you may be powerful, but you are not God. You have already lost. You have already lost. And then he did something even more amazing with his incredible childlike smile and demeanor. He began to giggle. And then he bounded out of the pulpit and he joined the people in the nave and he began to dance. People who saw it say it was a little bit more like bobbing up and down but the congregation got up and they began to dance with him. And as the whole church erupted into dance, Archbishop Tutu again turned to the soldiers and said, since you have already lost, you might as well join the winning side. A man no taller than I am telling a powerful government and a room full of armed guards that they had already lost and that, in fact, they should join him. This seems like insanity to the untrained eye, to citizens of merely earthly cities, but those of us who know that we belong to the city of God, well, we know differently. And so did the people at St. George's that night. They knew that there was a power in this man larger than his small stature. There was something 
the assurance of things hoped for, the substance of things unseen, something that if you had ears to hear and eyes to see, told you that against all logic this man was right. And history proved him right. The battle was already over. Those of us who are still part of the church militant, the church on earth can still struggle to see where we are headed, the city of God. We can still struggle to believe that the home of God is with us. The community is where God dwells with God's people. We struggle to believe that the power of earthly cities, of Rome, of Washington, D.C., of Indianapolis, those powers are not absolute. It is God who reigns supreme. And that's why we hear this vision today on All Saints Day. For today, we take a bird's eye view of history. We look upon our lives from the perspective of eternity as we honor the saints who have come before, who have yearned towards, worked for the city of God. Now, Lequilessa and Archbishop Tutu are not capital S saints, at least not yet, since they're still alive. But they could see what most of us can't. The holy city is here. We are her citizens. God is with us. God is already victorious. And that's what the saints offer us, a vision of the heavenly city towards which they pointed their feet, shaped their lives. They are those who kept that vision ahead of them, and they inspire us, too, to work towards revealing the heavenly city now here among us. And that's why in just a moment, we will chant the litany of saints, beseeching the church triumphant to pray for us so that one day we will join them, dwelling with God, where mourning and crying and pain will be no more. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.